You're listening to the Assistance Together podcast. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being on Assistance Together. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. We co- we kind of covered that, listeners. We, we did. Spent, but we've spent about 25 minutes talking already. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to keep it a little bit real. I had the pleasure of speaking with Monique Hellstrom, who I'm sure many of you know. Monique was an executive assistant to Simon Sinek, the New York Times best-selling author and TED celebrity. This episode is really about change. Change, whether it is wanted or unwanted, can be so difficult to navigate. And it was really a pleasure to speak with Monique about her experiences of change in her life always been in some sort of logistically oriented job. I've always been the detail person. I've always been a list maker and a color coder. Since I was a child, I had binders in school that had all the tabs and everything was color coded and the things. I mean, I was doing this when I was 10. So, you know, there's only so many professions someone with an extreme type A can go into. Event planning called to me uh, very early on. I loved it. I loved the travel. I loved planning events for people. I'm a screaming extrovert. So it really had all the yummy goodnesses in it that, that made me feel good and allowed me to use my strengths to my advantage. I didn't even know what my strengths were. And I certainly hadn't gone through the journey of my life that I have uh, since gone through. And so I always sort of just stayed in a logistically oriented job. I was a professional organizer after that. I was, did more event planning when I lived in LA to where I met Simon. And I sort of just always knew I was gonna be in that position. I was always gonna be the doer, the builder. I was never gonna be the architect. Monique was a workaholic, someone who knew how to work and whose life was defined in many ways by the work that she was doing. Being part of such a dynamic movement was incredibly rewarding, but there came a time when the 80 hour weeks had to stop. Monique, like many people going through change, was free falling. Today we speak about how Monique redefined her life's work, the steps she took to create a different life using her unique talents and abilities, and how she believes anyone can do the same. We mention the effective communication course during the episode, that Monique has created. If you want to find out more about how you can access it, please take a look in the show notes. I met Simon uh, in early, let's see, when did I meet him? Uh, 2007, maybe, 2008. Uh, And he had just started out on the speaking circuit. We became good friends. I was an event planner and I planned one of the events that he was speaking at. And like most people, I took to what he was saying. I believe what he believes. And we just became friends. I started talking to him after he lived in New York. I lived in LA and, you know, we just stayed in touch with each other and stayed friends. And I moved back to Philadelphia in 2011, no, 2010. I imagine that being in that kind of environment with the kind of topics that were being discussed and the, like you said, it being a sort of a movement must've been incredibly exciting and exhilarating because it was a purpose not and that I feel like that would have suited you so well instead of it being um, more of a maybe a traditional role where the boundaries were clearer or 
the you know the job spec was kind of more detailed about what you'd have to show up and do did you live on adrenaline during those years oh yes i uh was an adrenaline and endorphin junkie uh dopamine junkie i had i was a junkie of all the good little chemicals Uh, some, some cortisol as well let's be honest yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a roller coaster of a life for about a decade. Um, and I do feel unbelievably lucky and blessed that I had the ability to see the product of what I was working on. A lot of times in the profession of an assistant or admin, you don't get to see the end result. The executive gets to see the end result. They're the ones out there talking and moving and shaking and selling and changing the world where we're stuck in an office, you know, on, on the computer. And so I, I thank the universe every day that I had the ability to actually go on the road with Simon, see what he was doing, watch the people as they came up to him in tears, telling him how he's changed their lives, uh, to hearing the stories. We did a lot of pro bono work with military. I'm a, I'm an army kid. So I have the utmost respect for anyone who chooses that profession. Um, And it was, I mean, it it filled my bucket in so many ways that I don't, I think I'll spend the rest of my life talking about how, how much that filled my bucket. It was also the hardest 10 years of my entire life. And it was a struggle and I lost relationships and I lost friendships and I didn't see my family often. And I had absolutely no life of my own. My entire life was the organization and the movement. Um, and I did that willingly because I wanted to, and I loved it. And I didn't know that I shouldn't be working 80 hours a week. <laughs> and there was going to be some, there was going to be some runoff from that after I stopped, but it was amazing. And I loved it. And, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that, that I lived off adrenaline for so long because since I've left, I've actually struggled more in the last few years than I did the entire almost decade that I was with him because I was comfortable in the adrenaline. I knew how to live the life where you were working 80 hours a week and I was on the road 200 days a year. And I was, I was great at that. And I went from that to not traveling and immediately into COVID, immediately into a pandemic where going from traveling 200 days a year to zero. And I, I crashed and burned a lot last year. I, I had a, a huge identity crisis and it was difficult. Um, but now I'm learning how to how to redo myself. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. I was definitely an adrenaline junkie too. My job required that. I worked all the time. My whole identity was wrapped up in my work. Maybe that I can maybe spot one because I know it. <laughs> like it's that okay. thing. When that had to come to an end and it came for me in a different format when my son was ill, I crashed for a long time. I actually grieved, I think. Was it similar for you when you talk about crashing and burning? Ooh, and the word grief, that was the perfect word. And I really want to emphasize that, yes, it was a grieving period. And you go through all of the stages of grief. Who was I then? Who am I now? You, you make these assumptions on whether this is better or worse or what parts of it are better or worse. And who am I without having that thing to attach myself to? Going through the grief process was hard. And it's what you have to do to get to the other side. You know, as Winston Churchill says, you're going through hell, just keep going. And so, 
you know, the, the grief period, the, the thing that I want to implore to your audience is all of that's okay. You know, we, we as a society these days try to avoid pain. We try to avoid uncomfortable. We don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation to tell someone that something happened. We avoid looking at people in the eye. We, we just, we don't want to have any bad feelings. And I'm like, honestly, I've learned more from the bad things that have happened in my life than I will ever learn from when everything is calm and wonderful. So while it's painful and it hurts, those are the moments where you learn the most about yourself and you can figure out what your next, what the next version of yourself is. I mean, all the, all the Lego blocks were still the same inside of me. I just had to move them around a little bit because I'm still the same person. I just do something different. Uh, maybe, I think that's what slowed me down, that I didn't embrace it at all. I really overly resisted it. Were you smart, much smarter than me and you actually went for it and went for the grieving? Because I draw, I just, I like to really elongate the misery for my life and I kept it going for a long, long time. <laughs> um, you know, it did take me a while to understand what was going on. I had all of the feelings of depression. I had all of the symptoms. Um, you know, and, and when you're in that stage, when you are depressed, when you are confused about your life, it's very hard to think clearly, mm. you know, your body isn't operating into a hundred percent. I mean, there's so many things that are going on internally. And the more I've been researching about it, it's obvious why you can't think clearly You have cortisol running through your whole body, you know, your, your various parts of your body are shut off. Your immune system goes down. Like there's so many internal things that happen through biology and you can't think clearly. So it's really hard for you to sit there and go, hmm, I think I'm depressed. What should I do about it? Let me read an article or watch a TED talk or do the thing. No, you're just like, I just want to cry with my dog and watch Grey's Anatomy or something. I don't know. You just do nonsense. And then when you find that you're like, ooh, this is depression. Okay. Now I'm in it. And then you just, you just go into a hole right quick. Um, but I've always sort of been a person of extreme. So luckily I go down really hard, but then I come up pretty, I come up in the same speed that I go down <laughs> for the most part. That's great. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. I wonder what it is about our culture and society where we don't, we're not educated about our, um, our bodies and how they respond to situations. You must have been suffering from extreme exhaustion as well, which you could never have even realized, you know, that what was happening or how your body was responding to the kind of stress and work that you were doing. You can't know what that feels like until you get out of it and get better. You know, I had all of the signs. My body was telling me everything it needed to tell me. I had gone in and out of the hospital four times in a decade for uh, respiratory infections and pneumonia and severe exhaustion. And I would sit in a hospital bed. I will never forget. I was about to go into an MRI and the nurse was like, Monique, put your phone down. And I was like, I just, I need to get out this one email. I have to just one email and then I'll go into your little box where you're going to take an MRI of my brain. And I think it was right about then. And I was like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? And again, I had all the signs. My body was telling me what was going on. I just refused to listen. So one of the things I talk about these days is listen, stop, listen to your body. When your body is telling you something, there's a reason for it. And you're probably already 
delayed. You know, when you have the, the feeling of thirst, your body is already dehydrated. So when you're feeling something like pneumonia or respiratory infections, you're, you're two months past the start of your sickness or what was going on. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you just go through it and you ignore it because that's where you place your value. And, you know, if all my values tied to work, then who am I without it? So you just, you jump back on the train and you hold on for dear life, which was ridiculous now looking back at it, but you know, it got me to where I am and taught me a whole lot of lessons. How did you start rebuilding afterwards? Well, uh, you know, I did what I tell a lot of my clients. I, I looked deeply into exactly who I was. What, what am I? What do I excel at? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? I did a lot of personality tests. I did a lot of soul searching. I, I, I just figured out who the actual human being Monique Hellstrom was detached from anyone or anything else. What do I do? What do I like? What is my personality? And once you have that baseline, it's easier to build back on top of it. You know, I, it's, you can build a beautiful mansion, but if you build the mansion on quicksand, it's still going to sink. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure you have a solid foundation. And it just took me a long time to build that. And then you can slowly build on top of that. You put more Lego bricks on top of that. Once you have that foundation, you know, you have to, you have to go inward first. You know, I, I spent a lot of years pointing my fingers outwards and I think my entire life changed when I started to point at myself and say, what do I need to do to make myself better? What do I need to do to represent myself better in the world? What do I need to do to help my communication patterns? All of it. It's my responsibility. It's not anyone else's responsibility. And that changed my life. The ability to really go inwards when things have gone wrong and say not wrong but you know things have happened that have meant that you've had to that's something that a lot of us try and skip that part and and then go back or have this vision of ourselves in the past that is better than the one that they have now always sort of being sort of romantic about your past and thinking that was the best time and have to start identifying what works for you and what you feel good about that's tough if you've never looked yeah. ever inside about what you feel about and everything has been external that's in the closet you know you got to go into that closet and it's scary and it's dangerous and you find out things about yourself that you may or may not want to know uh but my feeling the whole time was like, look, this is, this is who I am. This is my makeup. I am this person. My, the strengths that StrengthsFinders told me, while I don't like them all, that's who I am. There's nothing I could do about it. I mean, I could try and change it. I can try and work on it and build it or put it away, but some of my habits are never going to go away. My perfectionism is never going to go away. My type A is never going to go away. This is who I am. And my grit is never going to go away. And my constant need to move forward is never going to go away. So all I really had to do is take the strengths that I already had, that I worked with, that I used for work and just do it again with something else. When I finally realized that I had everything that I needed in order to move forward, I was just, I was only pointing my compass at work. That's it. So when I finally was like, oh, I can use my grit for something else. 
I can use my skill of achiever to do something else, to use them. You know, that's the joy of figuring out who you are. And then that led you into this new space, or were you already conscious that that's what you wanted to do? Did you have a plan or a strategy? No. <laughs> uh, well, I think my only strategy when I started the business after leaving Simon was, was basically, you know, I can use my strengths to help somebody else make this world a better place. And that's what I did for a decade. And if I could do that for him, I could do that for other people. So how could I use what I have to help other people build their worlds, make themselves the best versions of themselves, help everyone and all the businesses get to their next evolution? Because then we share in the responsibility of what's going on in the world. When we're all up-leveling, the whole world up-levels. There's no way that the world can't be a better place if we're all leveling up individually. Because the world's made up of individuals. It's not made up of like some amorphous thing we are the people that make the world what it is yeah. so we just have to be better versions of ourselves and if i can do this for the rest of my life absolutely You're what right. i will do i love your story I, there's so much my brain is like is spinning with things that i want to talk to you about <laughs> i feel that in many situations we can't see the bigger picture when we're sitting at home feeling bad or yeah. lost or stressed or whatever it is. Makes sense. It's easier to blame somebody else for your lot in life. It is faster to point your finger out than it is to point your finger in. Oh, yeah. It's less stressful. It's nicer on yourself. It, it, nothing's ever your fault. I mean, there's a million reasons as to why we do this. And we're constantly pointing the finger out because it's hard. It's hard to look inside and it's worth it. If you can, when you can, and I want to be clear that you can't force yourself into a time period when you want to look within and build your own strengths up. You have to get to the point where you want to do that or else it's never going to stick. But you're so right about saying, you know, it's not for everybody. And, and often it takes a really rubbish situation to force your hand. Like you said, illness and exhaustion and over... You know it always takes somebody else to go first. You know, this is just the kind of society that we live in. So my suggestion for everyone living, if you can, and you have the ability and you're ready to get to your next evolution, do it because all your friends, your family, they're watching you. They're looking at you. They're saying, if she can do it, I can do it. Look how much internally happy she is inside real joy, real happiness. And you can help inspire somebody else. You know, it's, it's each of our responsibilities to help the person to the right and the person to the left of us. That's how we're going to change. Really nicely put. That's so true. We are all watching each other. Yeah. Sparks of inspiration too. Yeah. When you're around people who are miserable, you kind of get miserable. When you're around people that, you know, you get, you have vent sessions with your friends and you come back and you're like, this is terrible. Everything sucks. You know, you, we, we pick up uh our feelings from people around us we're social animals it's kind of just what happens even if you don't think you do you pick up things from everyone else around you whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert it doesn't matter uh we just have to start paying attention and we have to take responsibility for building the life that we want to lead that we want to show other people you know as opposed to like letting things happen to you and being like well i'm the victim of these things you know just just take control of the things that you can control. Somebody's going to be watching you and somebody's going to be inspired by that. And that's what life's all about. But it is fun once you start taking control 
of oh, yeah. things that you and learning that is fun isn't it i bet you had a good binder and a couple of pencils for that oh, and organizing and now i got one note so i don't even have to put it in a binder i mean it's just don't we're gonna yeah like you give me an excel spreadsheet and a pivot table and one note and just leave me alone bag of potato chips i'm good to go you started putting piecing these things together. I imagine that you made some pretty big lifestyle changes too, in order to create that solid foundation for yourself. Did you have any of those things in place before? I had all of it in place before. I just didn't look at it and didn't notice that it was there and didn't want to rely on it or that I didn't want to rely on it. You just, you know, you, you pick and choose what you put your attention to. And if you're putting all of your attention to work or stress or things that are going wrong, that's what you're going to see. You know, if you look into a crowd of people and you think of the color red, you're going to see the color red. And then if you think of the color blue, you're going to see the color blue. So when, when you look for things that are going wrong in life, you're going to find them. You can control your attitude. You can control where your focus is. I'm sorry. I don't believe that anyone doesn't have the control over their own vessel. You do. And you have to make conscious choices to be a different person, to be better, to do more. And yeah, all of it was there. I just didn't, I just ignored it maybe. Knowing that you wanted to build something for yourself, was that, a driving force for you that you knew that you wanted something of your own this time? Um, this is my second time around the sun with a small business and I made a whole lot of mistakes the first time around, like a lot of mistakes the first time around. So I feel like I did a pretty good job of knowing what I shouldn't be doing with a small business. Um, and it's funny when I think back to when I separated from Simon's organization, I didn't even have a thought to go work for somebody else. It wasn't even an option for me. I don't even know why. I just knew I was starting my own business. It, it was just, it was bubbling in there and I had to follow it. And I figured, you know, I can try this for a couple of years and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, I can always go get a job. Yeah. Um, so I, I just threw caution to the wind and started yet another small business a year before a pandemic hit which was awesome. Yeah. Great timing. You know, the first year you're building a business. So you're like, well, I'm poor. I'm building a business. So you kind of got to be poor. And then everything towards the end of 2019 started to look up and it was great. And it was bubbling and more events and more events in January and February and early, you know, end of February, I was traveling tons and speaking events and then boom, crash and burn. But we're all, we're both still here. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that all those experiences before made you think, okay, well, I'm just going to dig in, do what I can and move forward and it will change again? Yeah, life changes all the time. We change all the time. There are more uncontrollables than there are controllables in our life and that will always be the case. Every time you think you're on top of the world, something's going to try and come and knock you down. And that's the universe. And my amazing business coach, Chris Whitewick tells me, uh, and it really ultimately changed my world that when you are focusing on 
a behavior that no longer serves you and you're ready to get to that next evolution, whatever it might be, losing anger, getting out of a depression, something where you're ready to get out of it, that every step you take to come out of it, the universe will continuously test you and say, are you sure? Are you sure you want to lose that behavior? Um, I mean, a silly example, and you probably heard this from my podcast, my dating life. I've had very horrible dating life my entire life. And I was consistently doing the same things over and over and over again. And when you figure out what you're doing and you figure out that you're going for the wrong type of person and you're, um, and you're moving down a direction you shouldn't go, when you finally change direction, the universe is gonna throw five people in your face that are like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't wanna go for the bad boy who doesn't wanna commit and you know, <laughs> all the blah, blah, blahs that I was going through. And they will just constantly throw things in your face to test you. So at first I was like, oh, and you just constantly feel like you're getting punched in the gut, you know, over and over and over and over again. You're like, I'm in a Mike Tyson fight. What is going on here? Can I get out of it? But if you reframe and you're like, oh, this is just another test. I can win. I can beat you universe. And then you do. Do you know, I think that's so true. With everything, you try anything. And the universe will constantly test you because that's what it's supposed to do. Friends and family and all the things around you. And, and again, it's up to us to control who we are and how we're representing ourselves to the world regardless. Do you have radical accountability now? Oh, unfortunately, yes. You know, once you open up that Pandora's box of things that are going on inside of you, it's, you're like, oh boy, where do I start? I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of buckets that I got to look into here and, and figure out. And there's, there's some, there's some stuff in there that I really got to work on. Uh, so you just, you can't do it all at once. You pick one thing and work on it and turn the dial one notch at a time and work on one thing at a time and be accountable to yourself and tell other people that you're doing it. Get an accountability buddy. If you th don't think you can do it on your own. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody was going to, come up to me and tell me that I, I needed to be a better version of myself or I needed to start doing more yoga or I needed to breathe more. Nobody's going to tell me that. No. I had to tell me that. I just took a really deep breath when you said that. Yes, you did. <laughs> I definitely, do you hold, do you hold your breath when you're stressed? I do. Or at least I used to. Yeah. You're better I used to a lot. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of sticky notes. I put sticky notes everywhere to remind me to do things. And I have a lot of sticky notes everywhere that say breathe. Because that was definitely one thing that I wasn't doing. Using my breath to control my behavior, to control my emotions, all of the things. So I have sticky notes all over my house that say breathe. So once you started to look at things that you could do, like breathing, like more yoga, whatever, you know, all the kind of practical things that you're talking about. And then you had the universe through a few things just to double check that you were really serious about that and you didn't want to carry on doing what you were doing before. And you kind of went through this process. Was it, were the results just so kind of like tantalizingly good over time that you were like, this is how I'm going to do things from now on? now yes in the beginning it's slow slow moving in the beginning and you don't know if there's going to be a reward and you don't know when you're going to start feeling better quote unquote yeah and 
it's easy to quit. And I certainly threw in the towel a few times and said, this is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not making any progress here. But if you stick with it, just like exercise, and I hate saying that because it's so annoying. You have to do it every day. If you want to see results, you can't stop. You can't work out one day and then you look like the rock. It just doesn't happen like that. The rock has taken 30 years to look like that, you know, and he does it every day. So you just have to keep going. And when you get that first little reward and you get that first time that someone says, you look different or you seem different or I had a friend tell me at one point, you finally look happy. When you finally get something like that, it gives you the energy and it, it like plugs you in and gives you more energy to keep going, keep moving forward. So just look for that one positive, look for the, look for the little wins, constant little wins and just build those up and build those up and just keep moving forward. So easy to give up. The compound effect. And notice, you know, that was definitely a behavior that I had before was, you know, to sound cheesy, stopping and smelling the roses, but, but um, putting my attention equally to the things that were working to the things that weren't working. You know, I'm a big fan of concentrating on what's broken. That's part of my personality strength. That's part of being an executive assistant. You're like, what's broken? What can I fix? What's not working? Let me fix it. You're a problem solver. So it's a strength in some ways, um, and it can be a weakness in a lot of ways. And so I was only looking at the things that were wrong. And then that's all you see, again, back to where we were before. So concentrating and appreciating the little wins, however you want to do it. Start a journal, do the sticky notes. Um, I used to have a kick-ass bowl where I would write one cool thing that I did every day and I put it in the bucket. And then whenever you feel bad, you pull out a couple of pieces of paper and you read them. There's a thousand different ways of going about it. Just notice, notice the beauty in your life more than the negative. That alone will change your life. Yes. And, and people talk about gratitude a lot. I think that it's, it can seem really pointless if you're in a position <laughs> where you feel really awful. Yeah. It's hard to start that. I feel like that's a hard thing to start. Once you get going, and like you said, you you can feel the difference. So the different, and I I don't know about energy, but you feel a different feeling inside yourself about who you are and what you're doing and how you're showing up. Then that doesn't feel as hard to do. But at the beginning, someone says, you know, write down three things you're grateful for. It's wow. again, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but it's exercise. That first yoga class that you do, you're like, are you kidding me? This is awful. And that first time you lift weights and that first time you're, you know, you're lifting those weights, you're doing five pounds and it hurts and it's hard and you don't want to put your clothes on and all the things. And then it gets easier the more you do it. It's the same with everything. Practice, practice. And so how did you structure the business? I don't even know if I'm at where I'm going to be. I don't know if I've even hit my target yet. I, I tend to... I think when I started this business, I threw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and I was going to see what stuck. And so I didn't know if I totally had a direction in the beginning. I just knew that I wanted to help people be better versions of themselves. And I wanted to help businesses be the best versions of themselves because that's made up of individuals. 
and that's all I really knew. But my clients changed. I was working with a lot of speakers at one time. I was working with a lot of executive assistants at one time. You know, I was, I was doing random amount of things, but then the more you, the more you take chances and you're working on it, you're like, okay, I like those four things. Not so, not so, I don't like those four things. So we're going to drop that part of the business and you just keep going. I don't know if I'll ever be the thing that I'm going to be. And I think that's my personality though. I'm, I'm always going to keep trying to climb a mountain. I think I'll never get to the top until I transition into a new world. It does never end, does it? So I love that. I, I like endless evolution too. It's endless evolution. makes me excited. <laughs> it does, you know, and then, and not everyone is like that. No. And I understand that. And I understand that it's, more of a struggle than for for people that that have this already floating around inside of us um, and we all have the ability to do it i'm interested in this the kind of work that you've done in the past i feel like you've been very creative in your career and gone as you said earlier where the where your strengths have gone before you like you kind of took those acknowledged them and went with them and now you I feel that what you're saying is is that you're continuing to do that and taking the positive aspects for yourself about your real I don't know the right word your real skill set is such a horrible word isn't it it's like these are the things I have acquired talents is the one that I'm really looking for Thank you for not telling me in advance. <laughs> the talents that you have and continuing to utilize them and refine them in the processes in the life that you're living now. Do you feel like assistance, because there's so many, I don't know if I can even, I can't even say assistance as in that's a broad term for a lot of different types of personalities with a lot of different talents and that's one of the things that I think is so brilliant about the space and the community it is so varied mm -hmm. do you feel that in our community we focus on the lack a lot sure ourselves rather than the positive and then building as you've done on those things talents skills things that you've learned and developed about yourself. Yeah. You a spark maybe, but you've taken time to develop those things. They don't just happen automatically. 42 years, man, and I'm still working on it. Like no joke. Uh, I, you know, we are a society of scarcity and this has been the way for probably a hundred years. Uh, and there's, you know, I wish that would change, but it is what it is. You can't fix the whole of society, but I can fix myself. Um, and the beauty of the beauty that I now see in my crash and burn, because when I crashed and burned, I started to look within and I started to look at my personality and I started to take ridiculous personality tests to know what my Enneagram was and what my name meant and what my astrological sign was and all these goofy things that I wasn't exactly sure why I was doing it, but it was just information gathering. And once I did that, I learned how to use what I needed to use in order to get what I want. I mean, I say that lightly, not that I was, you know, manipulating anyone with my strengths, but I know how to use my strengths to, to move forward, to get what I want. And so 
because I did that with myself, I'm now able to help other people do that. And I didn't know that that was going to be the golden goose until I did it. And now I know it's the golden goose. And now whenever I'm talking to my coaching clients or whenever I'm working with a business, the first thing we do is learn about you. I want to know your strengths finders. I want to know what your disc was. I want to know what your Myers-Briggs is. I want to know what your astrological sign is. Because once I can see that foundation, then we know what we can plant. You know, you got to know what's in the soil before you know what you can plant. You got to know if you're going to have sun or shade or what's going on. So once you can do that, then you can, you take all those juicy bits and you move them. Even the stuff that's at your, at your bottom, you know, I don't call anything a weakness. It's your bottom strengths. You can take those and know when to flex and use them and know why you're in an uncomfortable position too. That was one of the added benefits of looking into myself is now I realized when I was really uncomfortable or when I got mad or when I was super duper stressed, I thought about why. And it was interesting because it had a lot to do with the things that I wasn't great at. Yeah. You know, I, it, it all, you know, when I got flustered in a meeting because I didn't have the ability, you know, activator is one of my top strengths. I like to action. I'm not someone who wants to talk about something for six weeks and then put the plan together like and whenever I would sit in these planning meetings where they would just go on and on and on and on and on and they were just thinking of ideas I'm like can you just can I just come into the last 10 minutes of the meeting because I can't sit here for two hours and knock around ideas I'm gonna kill you all (laughs) and and I used to like blame people like why are you why are you not shutting up why do you keep saying the same thing you know I'm looking at other people and getting frustrated and mad and sitting here and tapping my feet and then once I looked into myself I was like oh you're an activator you like moving forward so not moving forward makes you uncomfortable that's why you're uncomfortable move forward like it's it was as simple as that and you just don't get as mad yeah. I'm just not using my strength. So when I leave this meeting, I'm going to make sure I go do a few things and cross a few things off my list to get my activator moving again. Um, oh, it's just an easier way to know about why you're mad. That's such a good point. It's something that I love that. And I, I, I often, when I speak to people about um, personality tests and things, people are like, well, they're very rigid. And it doesn't allow people to develop because if they feel these things about themselves, then you know, they won't evolve. Actually, I think the reverse is true. As long as you don't have negative association with it, love the idea that if you're an activator, you can just, you can then, you, you don't have that, that kind of like terrible internal angst that goes with not being able to do the things that you love doing or being good at. Yeah. And then you can cut yourself some slack. You can move on without the pressure. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the, the negative association. It's all about what you associate with your skill set. So if I thought being an activator, and I did think being an activator for my whole life was bad, was a negative. Why do I always have to act on something? Why do I always need to be doing something? Why do I always have to be busy? Can't I just sit still? I had a negative view on that until now when I'm like, okay, some of it isn't great. I get that, but some of it is great. So why don't we just keep using the things that you are great at? Um, An example, you know, one of my strengths finders is competition. And when it's literally in my top five that I like to win, I want to win. There's only a number one, blah, blah, blah. And when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, Monique. 
that was it, it embarrassed me and I almost didn't want to tell people that that's who I was I was embarrassed I thought it was negative and it took me I mean at least five years to realize that it could be negative and I can use it and it can represent itself negatively inside me and it can do wonders for me as well it can do good things it's all about how you associate and not try and make yourself something that you're not you are what you are yeah i think that yeah that i totally relate to that it's kind of like demonizing parts of your personality because yeah. every part of us has the the good and the bad the the positive and the negative just depending like you said on how we actually show up in that space yeah. in one business and this is also i think very very interesting because in one business highly competitive activators are highly prized highly prized people and in another business somebody with a totally totally different skill skill set i was gonna say it again Steve, but the totally different types of their personality is highly prized and therefore finding out where you where you can actually thrive is an incredibly important part of that process to be honest about it because there are lots of people out there who are in the wrong kind of environment for what makes them internally satisfied and that causes so much friction when it isn't to do then at least this is what i hear you're saying it isn't to do with the fact that they aren't successful they're in the wrong space for yeah. their their qualities to be really appreciated it's mind blowing. I'm telling you, you can find your next job if you take personality tests. And I will say that with a period at the end of that sentence, because if I know that I have these, if I have activator and I have competition, if I go into a job where I'm not going to get rewarded for my job, if I don't have deadlines or milestones or, or uh, goals to hit, if I, if there's no way that I could I don't want to say win something, but if I can't excel at something, I'm going to be unhappy. And I don't want to squeeze myself into a pretzel, into a job where I'm going to be unhappy because it's not utilizing my strengths. And there's so many people out there, generally speaking, as and definitely within the assistant community, where they're having a really poor experience as an assistant with an executive. And I say, well, did you research the company beforehand and find out if it fits your values and if it fits your personality? Did you have a conversation with the executive before and find out what his personality or her personality was like? Because that is more important for this relationship. Having a personality match slash opposite is the key to this executive and assistant relationship. It has nothing to do with skill set. So I'm always telling people you have to know who you are before you find a job and if you go into a job that you don't feel secure in or safe or it's not utilizing your potential you have to take accountability for that because that is your fault yeah nobody else's responsibility to give you the job that's going to fit your personality it is your responsibility to find that period yeah I, I i can totally understand that i felt that i think that's one of the things that made me successful when quickly very successful in this space was putting people together for order to have a really really good partnership yep. you're gonna have to hit the, the opposite end of the spectrum so that there is 
So there's no gap then. Then it becomes a full circle of, of working together. But I think in the assistant community, that is the number one issue is a mismatch. Mismatch. But and more so in values, I think. If your values aren't aligned with the executive that you're working with, there is no chance for a successful partnership. A hundred percent. This is a relationship, hook or crook. This is a relationship. And it is a partnership, whether or not you want to believe it or not. And you have to handle it and do all the things just like you do in any relationship. It's that detailed, in other words, that, and also that much of a commitment to the success of that relationship. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I that's uh, so totally fascinating. No one's ever described it in that way to me before, and of course, it makes total sense that there is such a lot of beautiful freedom in knowing that. For anybody that's listening, who's like, I just can't work out why this isn't what I want. This isn't working. There's your answer. This accountability process and taking responsibility for your career in that way. Yeah, I work with a lot of executives to help them find their superstar assistants and superstar admins. And I go deep with the executive. Who are you? What do you believe in? What are your value sets? What's your personality like? What do you want? What 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 role do you see this person having? And then I take their job description and throw it in the garbage and start from scratch because the job description is from 1985. And it says, I want you to type and file, which is ridiculous. And the EA that they want is not the EA that that's on the job description. So I, I, I do the inverse and I work with the executive to help there. And when I'm coaching assistants, A, if they don't have a job, I help them utilize their strengths in order to get one. But I had a coaching call yesterday with a, a wonderful friend who's starting a new job on Monday. And she was like, what can I do to really get in good in this job and really, really, you know, have a bang from the start? And I said, your first week, have a sit down with your executive and sit down and go, here's my strengths. I mean, maybe you don't do it like that, but you know, put some, some juicy stuff in the beginning, but you say, here's what I'm great at. I love doing, and I'm, I'm a responsible individual. And this shows up in my workspace as boop, boop, boop. And I have activator. So that shows up in my workplace as this, I love doing these types of things. I tend to get stressed if I don't, this is me in a nutshell. What do you like? You're just laying it out on the table. You're telling them who you are. And it's also giving them clues on how to behave around you and yeah. what skills that you have and what tasks you can do and what things light you up inside. I mean, isn't that the point? Oh, completely. And also you're freeing yourself up and them up for a successful start. Absolutely. Nine times out of 10, we're guessing about people. And in those kind of relationships, if the foundation's not great, then of course it's not going to be productive or it will be productive, but someone will suffer in it. Absolutely. And most of the time, in my experience, that's the assistant that suffers. Oh, yes. And the, the additional beautiful runoff that comes from that is when you explain who you are from the beginning, you're almost setting boundaries without even telling someone that you're setting boundaries. You're letting them know, these are the things that I'm good at. These are the things that I excel at. Here's what I'm not good at. Here's the things that trigger me, whatever it might be. That is an automatic boundary setting so that when you are given a task or something that you don't believe in, you know, I, for this person yesterday, she, um, her first uh, uh, strengths finder skill was responsibility, which means she has unbelievable amounts of integrity, unbelievable amounts of 
if you tell me that you need something done, I am going to do it no matter what. They are the part, like if you want, if you can get an EA that's got responsibility in our top five, you are gold, it is golden. And I said, and you don't lie. I'm guessing you don't lie. That is not something that someone with responsibility in their strengths that do. And I say, well, then say that. I don't lie. You can, I know it will take time, Mr. and Mrs. Executive to understand and to trust me. Yeah, but I'm yeah. going to tell you now that I don't lie. And I said, that's doing two things. A, you're building a foundation of trust and B, you're letting know where the boundaries are. Yeah. So when they come to you and they say, can you lie to this person and tell them that I'm not available? And you say, no, there's a reason and it's established and you, you, there's a history there. So yeah. you can say that and you say, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Responsibility is really something that I believe in. It's a value that's really strong for me. So unfortunately I can't do that. But what I can do is yeah, for people, I, it's because it's easier. And I'm like, well, if you just took 30 to 60 seconds to figure out how you can say the same thing in a nice, respectful, uh, building way and, and firm way, it, it, lying doesn't mean you have to be mean. Lying and nastiness are not the same thing. No, or telling the truth and nastiness, excuse no, me, are not the same thing. I understood, yeah, that's true, because it's perceived that if you're delivering something truthfully that somehow it's going to be awful and that you need to lie to cover up. Right. Somewhere along the way, we decided that you could either tell the truth or keep a friend or tell the truth or keep a job. I was like, what? There's not just two choices here. You can tell the truth to help someone be a better version of themselves if you know how to communicate calmly and you know how to put your words together. You can say just about anything to somebody else and they will hear you. Everybody needs to do a personality test. Amen. And learn how to communicate. So yeah. you're right. If, if someone can know that about themselves, you know, how much power does that give people when they talk to a hiring manager, when they talk to a recruiter, when they think about the kind of industry that they want to work in? I mean, it covers everything about your career if you understand what you as a person can cope with. It, it is the foundation for everything in your life, not only work. Very cool. I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It's like a little secret, secret. It's like a, a secret tunnel inside that you can see things that you've never seen before. And again, you have the choice to use a strength or a bottom strength. You have the choice of when to use it, when to flex, when to not use it, when to put it away. Yeah. You have freedom, like you said, freedom yeah. to be who you are and be comfortable with it. But it must be so fun working with people to see them through transitions and changes and lead them into a different space that is that maybe the best job apart from my job which i think is the best job in the world yours is, Your job is the best job top top there too i love it i absolutely love it i love watching people get to their next evolution and seeing their aha moments and speaking in front of a group of people when you say one thing and they all sit back it's there is yeah. nothing in my life that will replace that. It's so beautiful that you've taken your experiences and transformed them. All those very, very hard pieces, you've transformed them into something beautiful that you can share with other people. It's really powerful. It is powerful. And I think anyone can do it. You can use all of the experiences that you've had in your life to teach you a lesson. Good or bad? 
and you can use everything that's happened to you. And I'm not saying that one person's problems are better or worse than another. And I know there's some serious things going on these days, especially with the pandemic. And there's just so much heartbreak in the world right now. And if you can get past it a little bit, and if we can each take just 5% more responsibility over us and our actions and what comes out of our mouths and how we treat other people and how we make other people feel safe. If we can each just do 5% more, just that, oh, I just, I mean, there's 330 billion people in the United States, like 5% times that many people. Good gracious, we could just change the whole world if everyone just tried to use what they've got and learn from the things that have happened to them. I really appreciate you sharing that. I feel like I can, I can so appreciate or have empathy for different stages that you've been through. And it takes so much courage to pull yourself up and out and envisage, envisage something new for yourself. And then to share that with other people too, super, super beautiful place to be in in life, to be able to do that for others. Thank you. Very cool. It's, it's just as hard as anything else that I've ever done. It's, it's not easier because I know this stuff. It's just, I use it differently. Yeah. I use it, it's gasoline now. It's gasoline to, for the fire as opposed to a weight. Yes. That's giving me heavy boots. I've just changed the meaning of, of all the bad times and the good times. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, let's see, I got all the social things, well not all the social things, and mostly use Instagram and LinkedIn. It's all my name, Monique Hellstrom, my website, moniquehellstrom.com. Not terribly hard to find me. <laughs> and I'll put Just Google my name. Not very many Monique Hellstroms in the world. It's a very, very nice name indeed. Very nice. <laughs> Yeah, Google it. In other words, people just Google it. <laughs> Google me. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's brilliant. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Thank you. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. I was so grateful that Monique joined me today. It was such an insightful episode and she has so many interesting takes on how to recreate our lives. It was just a real pleasure to speak with her and I'm really grateful for all her honesty and enthusiasm for sharing this knowledge with all of us. Please check out her latest course. It is about effective communication. You can find all the details on her website. It's moniquehelstrom.com or check out the link in the show notes.